You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to that Chelsea podcast, episode 47, Job Done. Welcome back to that Chelsea podcast. I'm joined, as always, by Jack Davies. How are we doing, sir? Um, I, yeah, I'm all right. We've, somehow the job's been done today and we've got Champions League football next year, which is the main thing. But yeah, truly terrible performance today, which is disappointing after, after the win against Leicester in midweek. Yeah, we have truly tripped and fallen into the Champions League. And for people who don't believe that doesn't happen today, just proves that you can trip and fall into the Champions League. Uh, but yeah, we're joined by a special guest. Uh, it's her first appearance since January when we beat Fulham. It is Ellie Helenek. Ellie, how are we doing? Uh, I'm doing okay. <laughs> Honestly, I'm not in super high spirits after that game. So I hope that it doesn't come across too pessimistic but it was it was a tough one and I'm still processing that game yeah no don't worry you can be as negative as you want because uh last week's episode we got got a message from someone saying you've got to be more energetic I was like we've just lost the cup final mate chill out (laughs) like we we are quite sad but yeah um as always with guests I get themselves to give them a little plug and obviously Ellie makes content of her own so Ellie why don't you tell people where they can follow you and you know the content you make yeah, um, so if you don't know me on Twitter, uh, it's at L-E-E-L-I underscore Helenic. It's like the name Helen with E-K at the end. And then I also have my own YouTube channel, Elizabeth Helenic. Uh, and I have like a lot of content planned for that, especially ahead of the Champions League final. And yeah, I do a lot of FPL content with Olivia Bozaglo as well every week. That's obviously ended now that the season's over, but we'll pick it up again next season. And yeah, that's basically everything. 
Yeah, all Ellie's links will be in the description. Make sure you check her out. And if you're absolutely god-awful at FPL like I am, then, uh, yeah, her YouTube channel uh, will be very good for any FPL novices out there. Right, Jack? Going to start on a positive note. Going to start on a positive note, right? Leicester on Tuesday. Fans were back. I was back at the bridge, so I was very happy about that. Um, but just in general, like that was probably... And this is probably quite funny, but that was probably one of our best performances this season, I think. Probably one of our best under two show after maybe the Real Madrid second day, because we were on it that day. Yeah, we were. I'm, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> we just started this now. I'm struggling to like remember back then after today. But but no, it was it was a decent performance from the boys, especially like you said with the fans. They, you, All of you there made a massive, massive difference to those players. I think in thinking of things early on in the first half, Timo miscontrolled it. It was like I think it was only like ten minutes in, lost the ball, and the like. It was the f- fans being there, the fans going like just making a bit of noise, and he chased back all the way to the corner flag and won the tackle and put it out for a throw. But he he wouldn't do that without the fans there, in my opinion. Um, and those, those all of you there just pulled the team through that game, which was which was so important. Um, and yeah, like you said, it was it was it was a decent performance from the boys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We made the tents for ourselves, you know. But it's Chelsea; we never make things easy. Um, I guess we'll start off. Ellie, the goal scorer, and first goal scorer, Antonio Rudiger. The man is, you know, really under Thomas Tuchel, perhaps been probably one of our players of the Tuchel era so far. I think that performance from him sort of symbolised and sort of encompassed sort of everything we've sort of come to love about Tony Rudiger over these last few months. There were some crazy runs. There was a moment where he pirouettes on the ball. Um, and he comes up an important goal, but he's been one of the big, big figures in this in this um, revitalisation under Thomas Tuchel, hasn't he? Yeah, I think uh, under Lampard, he was one of the players, like many players that were out on the fringes. And, and I, I think along with many others, thought that his time at Chelsea was really coming to an end. Um, and I think that he has really shown a big improvement under Thomas Tuchel. I think the back three suits him. I'm still unsure about many of our center backs if we were to play in a back four. Uh, I, I do want to see how it would go just so you can have another attacking player on the pitch because I don't think you need the three defenders all the time. But overall, I think that he brings like a lot of grit and something that I like about him is he kind of knows when to push the boundary and like what he can kind of get away with, what he couldn't. And in that game, he reminded me a lot uh, to Diego Costa, which is a massive compliment because I'm a big fan of Diego Costa. Yeah, yeah. No, it was really good. Really good performance. Um well, second goal scorer. We're gonna. I'm kind of get, gonna get onto him there because he's a big tall one. Jack Jorginho, man. They, like literally, this podcast, we're gonna be talking about the good and the bad of Jorginho. I thought against Leicester, he was really good. Leicester, I thought he controlled the game, you know, and we can say went off. And I thought he did a good, good job. Yeah, no, massively. It's it's just so hit and miss with him at the moment. If he's you've seen it against Leicester in the in the cup final as well when they're pressing him, pressing him high, and he just loses the ball so easily and doesn't like doesn't like that. I know you would say he's one of those press resistant players, but he was struggling that day. But on Tuesday, yeah, no, he was he was quality and stuck the pen away with conviction, sat sat Michael down and 
yeah, it's just it's just so frustrating with him because you we've had this this so many times over the past few seasons. He he does have worldy games and you can tell there's a very, very good player there, but then he has games like today and you just think uh you should shouldn't be playing for Chelsea basically. But yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Jorginho made it 2-0. Kovacic gets dispossessed. I thought Kovacic was probably the only player on on Tuesday I don't think had a good game. Obviously, there's some couple of good moments, but he loses the ball in dangerous areas, gets dispossessed, Ian Acho scores. Then, you know, he doesn't track his runner, Perez, and Perez blazes over bar. But we got over the line, and it was honestly, just from perspective, that was my first game back to Stamford Bridge in 14 months. Just sort of going, being back in the ground was just really special, just being doing the simple thing of being able to actually watch your team play, which so many people haven't been able to do for the last 14 months was was really special. And I, I remember I tweeted at the time, like, regardless of what happens in the race for top four, that night will stay with me for a long time because it's the first game I've seen in 14 months. Football was something, going to the games was something I've probably taken for granted. And now everything we've been through, being able to be back there, is certainly something I won't be taking for granted again. And it was just really special to back there and be for fans that night were absolutely superb only 8,000 or so but the atmosphere you'd have thought it was was a full house for fans were that that good and the love Timo Werner got Jack kind of mentioned it like his name was sung more than any other player that night and it was a frustrating night for Timo we saw again the good and the bad of Timo you know he's caught offside for a goal he then wheels away scoring goal even though he's like handled it but then he wins a penalty wins the crucial penalty we have sort of seen you know that game encompassed all the good and bad of Timo Werner. And I think he is going to be a player that fans in the ground come to love because he's a trier. Chelsea Chelsea fans love a trier. You know, he reminds me of Fernando Torres, which is a bit worrying, I guess, because Torres didn't exactly have a great goal-scoring record, but Torres was loved at Chelsea. And I think that can be the same for Timo Werner because he really worked hard Tuesday night. And the love he got, you know, as I said, his name was sung more than any other player out on that pitch tonight, on pitch that night. So, yeah, it was fully... Fully deserved. And that put us third, which was really good. Just a quick note as well for anyone. When you watch Thiago Silva play in the flesh, you realise just how calm and composed that guy is on the ball. Just like, wow, honestly, if you can, like obviously next season when fans are back in the bridge, like it will be like, we're blessed to have this guy in our team because he is truly, truly a phenomenal player. But yeah, we beat Leicester 2-1. Um, probably likely Tammy Abraham's last game at the bridge. His name was sung quite a lot before kickoff, which was nice to see. Uh, the lap of honour at the end, the players got say got a lot of love, which was nice because you know they put in a really good performance and they deserved it because they you know they credit you know as much as I'm probably going to rip into them a bit later for the performance today, they had sort of helped turn the season around and they had put us in a position where you know top four was in our control. Um, so no credit to them. Tuesday was a really good performance and I really enjoyed it. You know, and they said that will stay with me for a long time and it showed you know the power of fans in the stadiums. We've seen a lot of dead games. This season, I think, you know, a lot of top six games especially have been quite dead without fans. But that was really good. As I said, I do think that's probably one of Chelsea's best performance this season. There's no coincidence that it had fans there. So, yeah, it was a really, really good night. And, yeah, you came away from the ground feeling happy. Obviously, good friend of ours, Jam, got a picture with, with Thiago's wife, Belle. Uh, she's quite a character. It, it was just a really, really good night. And seeing actually loads of people support our pod and seeing loads of, you know, people we interact with on Twitter – was you know really really nice so yeah it was just a really good night and it felt you know like the first semblance and the first sort of step back on the road to normality which was just really nice I say Tuesday was I think more than a football match for me and more than a football match for a lot of people so yeah, it was really really special but we got on to today against Aston Villa we knew that a win and nothing else 
would get us third. Um, it would get us top four, and that was the main goal. Jack, I actually thought we started off all right, but it's the tail of our season. We can't put the ball in the back of a bloody net. <laughs> you could say that again, blimey, honestly. No, I, I agree. I thought we were really good. We were straight on it, like pretty much took off from where we finished on, on Tuesday. But like you said, people missing, Mason missing two big chances. Timo, honestly, what is he doing? Just connect with the ball. If that's any other striker, really, you put, put, just connect with it and it's in the back of the net. And then he's like trying to claim for a penalty and stuff. Um, it, it's just the story of our season, to be honest. When you, when you see that our top goal scorer this season in the Premier League is Jorginho with seven goals. Seven goals in 38 games. And I know all of his were pens. It's not good enough. That's just not good enough. Uh, honestly, I don't know how how we've managed to get top four. Like credit to Tuchel because I think I saw something. It was like we're the first team in English history to to yeah to finish in the top four, having no players score more than more than ten goals. Um, and it's just that is the most alarming issue with this team at the moment and something Roman needs to address and uh, put his hand in his, in his back pocket and get his wallet out this summer, I think. Um, because if if we want to be solidifying a, a top four space and not blimmin' leaving it to the last day and more importantly, going and challenging Man City, Liverpool, United for titles... You need a striker who's going to be scoring you 15, 20 goals a season. Like Ellie mentioned earlier, uh, Diego Costa, he weren't, he weren't a very good football player, technically. That guy was not good, but he was an absolute machine, just hungry to score goals and did what a striker's job is and just stuck the ball in the back of the net at any opportunity. And that's what we're crying out for at the moment. Yeah, no, exactly. Last year, you know, we I think we broke records by getting in the top four with like one of the worst defensive records in history. And this year, we've got in the top four with one of the worst attacking records in history. We scored 58 goals this season in the Premier League, less than all the teams that finished above us, less than Leicester and West Ham and Spurs who finished below us, and also less than Leeds United as well. Um, so yeah, our attack is clearly an issue. Uh, I guess Ellie, first goal is you know. <laughs> It's a bit lucky, I guess, from Villa, the fact that Traore scuffs his shot, but probably helps it go in. But, you know, it's a corner routine and it's a soft goal. And for all, you know, I guess for relative comfort in the game and the dominance we've had, all of a sudden we find ourselves 1-0 down. Again, sort of the, the story of our season. Yeah, I feel like I was just super disappointed because, like you said, story of our season to have all of the dominance, but just nothing to show for it. And I think we're just not clinical enough in front of goal. And it's something that we've been saying time and time again and something that I think that we need to address in the transfer window. But it's, it's again, the same thing that we have the dominance, we don't take advantage, and then we can see the goal that's quite silly because he just had a completely open run in the box. Nobody was marking him, and then it's 1-0 to Aston Villa. Yeah. Side effect of that is Eddie Mendy's injured ribs. We'll have to see how serious that is, but 
fingers crossed he's fit for the Champions League final or um, more, more than fingers crossed for us. We have to make some sort of sacrifice to the God. He can, he can take my ribs. Mendy can take my ribs next week. It's fine. I don't need him. But, um, if we don't have Kante and uh, Mendy for next next Saturday, we're in big, big trouble. We, we might as well just not turn up, to be honest. Um, but uh, Yeah, yeah. Um, second goal, Jack. It's a penalty we give away. Um, number five, Jorginho. Yeah, not not great from him. It's just a soft pen, but it's a pen, and we're punished. And all of a sudden, we're two 0 down, and our world is you know falling falling down around us. Yeah, just started to crumble, didn't it? I think everyone was. You could see it in the the start of that second half. Everyone was everyone was losing their heads, um, and. Just yeah, we were struggling to get any sort of foothold on the game. Villa was starting to starting to come into it, and it's the thing with modern day football. You literally can't you can't make a challenge in the box unless you're hundred percent certain you're going to nick the ball. And yeah, it was soft, but at the end of the day, it was a penalty. You could tell straight away. You didn't need any replays to see that was a penalty. And yeah, it, when when you saw that goal go in, it did not look good, did it? No, exactly. And look, we kind of saw, you know, we'll get onto players' mentality in a bit because we got asked a question about. But we kind of saw at the end of the first half of players' mentality. You know, they were getting fractured. It was getting really, really frustrating. Ellie, I guess one of the f- only positives from today, Ben Chilwell. He pops up with a goal, and he was probably the only player on that pitch who I could honestly say, and maybe you know, probably apart from Thiago Silva, I think just is always solid for us who actually put in a really good performance today, Ben Chilwell. Yeah, I actually joked about it on my match review on YouTube. Like, why not play Ben Chilwell and Alonso in the same team in the Champions League? Because they seem like the only ones who look like super capable of scoring right now. But I thought that Ben Chilwell had another strong game. I think that he's a really good player and he's like growing more and more into the left wing back role. And it's good to see that he's starting to add more goals to his game. I think next season, once he has more consistent game time and he's not like, it it does take, it's, it's partly the team, right? Because you have a moment in the season where the team was just not playing well. And then as a result, your individual performance is probably not where it should be either. But I think like if you have a more consistent season and just more consistent tactics, you don't have the manager change. I, I really do think that Benchel is going to um, shine even more next season. Yeah, no, exactly. It was, you know, Benchel well, probably the one saving grace from today, but it was, yeah, it, it was honestly abysmal and literally like we have got Spurs to thank for us. You know, we have been bailed out, pardon the pun, by Spurs because honestly we were abysmal. We were abysmal today and we were relying on Spurs to do us a favour because we were, we, you know, we bottled it today. Don't care what anyone says, we bottled it today. We were just thankfully, but... Um, thankfully other teams yeah. bottled it even more than we did. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And look... Again, this is our fourth season in a row of a top four battle. You know, three of the four years it's gone to the final day. The first year under Conte, we didn't actually make it. Um, but it's just getting draining now that, you know, we're getting, you know, this is this is clearly the level of this squad at the moment. I don't care what anyone says about if we sign certain players because certain players still, you know, the level we've got with these players, I think, is top four at the moment. So, um, 
yeah, it, it was honestly truly abysmal today. And I said, we literally tripped and fell into the top four today. It was at least last season, you know, we actually did the job on the final day and we won. And there was no doubt about what happened in the other game. Like today, we relied on a favour. That's embarrassing. And the fact that the fact that Spurs didn't actually, you know, Spurs did. Spurs had more bottle than us is um pretty pretty sad. But yeah, it wasn't. Um, it just wasn't good today. So yeah, it was truly truly frustrating. And look, there's going to be players. You know, I I'm not going to just slag off Jorginho and Kovacic. They were abysmal today. But again, Mason Mount was poor today. But I think Mason Mount's been run into the ground. I think, as Cesar Azpilicueta, actually, he really disappointed me today because that red card he got was so naive and so stupid. Yeah. Like, he's your captain. He's your leader out on the pitch, and he does that. And he's meant to be your calming influence. Ellie, I know you're a big Aspie fan. We're all big Aspie fans. But that, I, felt, I thought I was really disappointed today to see a man of his experience, his leadership, lose his composure in that way. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, like... It's just the frustrations coming into it, and I guess sometimes it must be really difficult to to manage um, because I think that Grealish had so many time. There were so many times when Grealish should have at least been carded, and he wasn't. And if you look at the initial challenge, Grealish did bring him down, and they were kind of like tangled legs. But it was stupid on his part to not keep his cool and to kind of like latch out. I didn't think it was like the worst red card I've ever seen. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm a little bit biased because he's one of my favorite players ever. But <laughs> I, I understand where the frustration comes from. You're losing and Jack Grealish is just like antagonizing you the entire game. But um, like you guys said, he should have done better to not. It's, it's an unnecessary red card to get. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. Frankly, it came at a time, you know, where less, less Spurs were actually winning at Leicester. Because if Spurs had been, say, been drawing, you know, I would have then been in fear. But if Villa get, I know, a couple of goals while we're down to 10 men, then, you know, Leicester get in the goal difference. But thankfully, Spurs were winning. And look, Spurs won 4-2 in the end. Leicester bottled top four for the second year in a row. Um, so thank you, Leicester, for, for having an even worse mentality when it comes to the top four race than us. Not that it should even be a question, because Leicester being in a top four race says enough about, you know, the quality of the job Brendan Rodgers done there. But we got over the line. We got over the line, and that's that's for relief. Look, as I say, no one was good today for me apart from Ben Chilwell. I thought Reese was decent in the mid... Reese and Ziyech in the midfield. And mm-hmm. admittedly, I kind of was focusing more on the Spurs-Leicester game because that's where my hope was going. But they, they offered more control and did a lot more than, than Dummer and Dummer did there together. Sorry, sorry, Kovacic and Jorginho. But <laughs> as we'll get on to this later, I've kind of had enough of them in midfield t- together. But, yeah, but Jack, you know, I guess Reese, you know, we've seen him on loan at Wigan do a job there. But maybe may an option for the future? Possibly, yeah. I, I mean, I thought when when Tuchel first moved him in there, he gave the ball away, I think, two or three times, sloppy passes, and thought, oh, God, here we go. But after that, he was, yeah, he was a calming influence in there and was shifting the ball out to, to, to the wing-backs really quickly and doing the job really well. And, yeah, I mean, it could even be, could be a potential... Uh, pick for, for the Champions League final next week, to be honest, but I can't see that happening. Um, it'll, if Kante's fit, he plays. Honestly, if, if if he's on one leg, get him on whatever medication you can you can put in his body, he needs to play. Um, and then I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it will be Jorginho alongside him, but no, definitely. Uh, and that sh- it shows how good Reese has been and how versatile he is. He's been playing right wing back. He's played the last couple of games at right centre back, and 
nullified a, a top quality striker like Jamie Vardy two games running. Um, and then today he steps into midfield and, and does a great job too. So it, it's great for great for us to have those options with him um, where, where you can play him in multiple positions. Yeah, nah, exactly, exactly. You know, again, our young players this season have really come to the front and, you know, again, they've been sort of the ones taking accountability, sort of getting us into these positions that we're in. So, look, you know, job done. Thomas Tuchel came in. His objective was to get top four. He has achieved that objective. So I think we have got to quickly spend a bit of time giving some praise to Thomas Tuchel. Ellie, the job he's done has been really good. There's obviously, we obviously know there's still a lot of issues to work out, the fact that we struggled to score goals. Um, but credit to him, he's come in from a position that wasn't easy. We were five points off the top four, and he's come in, and he's got us over the line. Yeah, it's not been a convincing getting job getting over the line, but he has done the job he was brought into, so credit goes to him for that, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think that I, everybody was so high. Maybe we were getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, myself included, because we had gone on this amazing unbeaten run and we go beating off these European giants. We beat Atletico, Porto, Real Madrid. You know, it just it just felt like we were completely dominating. And then I think recently in the last couple of games, you're starting to see the cracks appear. And it's kind of been like a recurring theme in this Chelsea side that we, we struggle to beat lower side or lower in the table, um, league side. I don't know how to word this. Um, yeah, oh lower, lower, lower league sides. Yeah, lower, lower league sides. That makes sense. Um, uh, uh, okay, <laughs> I lost my train of thought. Uh, okay, um, that it's been a recurring theme in this Chelsea side for many years that we struggle to beat lower league sides. And then it, I feel like there could be like this mentality issue there that um, I, I don't know why. I don't, I don't understand it, but it just seems like we decide to turn it on and off. So I think that that's something that Tuchel needs to work with. I'm hoping that with the transfer window, hopefully we can get in a striker and maybe like a DM position um, and that we're having somewhat of a preseason. I don't know how much he's going to have with the Euros, depending on if the players take vacation, how far their respective countries get in the Euros, but hopefully some sort of preseason will give him time to even further implement his ideals because I do think it's been really impressive what he's done so far. There's still work to be done, but I mean, you just have to give him props for taking Chelsea to their first Champions League final since 2012. Like, that's absolutely insane with the same squad that we had when we were sitting in ninth or 10th in the Premier League in January. So I think he he's really good at identifying which players are right for which game and trying to play to their strengths instead of in kind of like hiding their weaknesses a bit. I think Jorginho is a player that we've seen him do that with specifically. Um, again, trying to play to Timo Werner's strengths of having him play off of the 
off of like the shoulder and and having a partner to play off of so we are seeing this and I think that you know you have to give massive credit to him he's done a great job and I'm excited to see what he can do in the future I'm just feeling down after this game so not as high as I would normally be <laughs> yeah it's, it's kind of a weird ending to the season there's no real like great feeling after I think it's just relief it's just the, the, the overriding feeling that you know thank god we're not playing in the Europa League next season also the fact that next weekend while it's the Champions League final and we're obviously going to be nervous for it we don't have that added pressure of like nagging back in mind that if we don't win this we're playing in the Europa League next season so that's that's quite nice you know that's out of the way and we can just think on you know now how we approach the Champions League final next week yeah no definitely um, right, we're going to move on to listener questions. RJ's question. If Kante is not fit for the final, who would your pivot be? Or perhaps formation change? Jack, who would your pivot be? Even if it's unrealistic, I don't care. Just say it. Um, well, if, if he's not fit. Honestly, I said earlier, I'd play him on one leg. I'd play him. You know what he? You know what the guy does? He makes up the ground of two or three players when he plays. So if he's playing on one leg, he'll still, still do a job with one person easily. Um, and then I'll, I'll, I can see it being I can see it being Jorginho um, like he has done it in these in these big games in Europe um, yeah we did see against Real Madrid he put in a monster yeah, he, yeah he bossed a, an ageing but still a top quality midfield with Kroos Modric and Casemiro so uh, yeah I think we've got to try and not be too uh, reactionary but um yeah, I mean, I said as well, Reese could be an option, but I don't think he'll do that in a in a massive final like that. So probably Kante and Jorginho. But obviously, if he's not Kante's not fit, then it looked like it will be a Jorginho and a cover again. <laughs> I can't see him playing. Can't see him playing Billy uh, in a game of that magnitude, unless there were further injuries uh, within the next week. Then. Might have to do like a Ryan Bertrand in in 2012, and then Billy might get the nod. But yeah, fair enough. Ellie, what would your pivot be for next week? Is it if Nicola Kante is injured, or if Kante it... is not fit for final, who would your pivot be? But also, you know, we just kind of mentioned that we hope that Kante will play on one leg. So I guess who is? We'll do two questions. Who is your first choice pivot, and if Kante isn't fit, who do you play? Um, uh, tough question. Um, if Kante is just even a little bit fit, I think like uh, 50% fit Kante is probably better than what we've seen recently. Um, he's just that good and you really can tell that we're missing him, that he breaks up the play. I think his runs forward as well are underrated. Like, yes, he could have a better um, you know, shot on him or maybe pick out a better pass, but a lot of the time he... He actually does contribute to the the lead up play to the goals, um, so I would definitely have Conte if he's even remotely fit for the game, and I'm hoping that's why he was completely left out of the squad just to be sure that he can be fit for that game. Um, and if he is fit, I have a feeling that we're probably going to see Conte and Jorginho, um, just because that's what we've been seeing throughout the rest of the season. Kovacic, I think, still looks quite rusty. thought he's been okay, not fantastic. He had a couple, uh, he had a bad giveaway today. He had some in Leicester as well. So 
I don't really blame him that much. I'm giving him some slack because he is coming back from injury. He hasn't played in over a month. And, you know, it must be hard to be put into this high-intensity game where you, when you haven't played and you're not really up to speed yet. Um, so for those reasons, if Conte's fit, I think we would see Conte and Jorginho. Uh, if Conte's not fit, then I have... I th- if Conte's not fit, I think we're going to see... Uh, Jorginho and Kovacic. Um, I would be nervous about that pivot. I thought that they got completely overrun and I wasn't surprised that they were both taken out around the 60 minute mark today. Um, it could be an option maybe to put Reese in there. I don't think Billy's going to play in a Champions League final. Maybe you play Aspilicueta, Christensen, Thiago Silva, Rudiger, Ben Chilwell, Reese James, Jorginho, um, or Reese James and Kovacic, depending. Um, that could be an option, but I I do see it a bit unlikely. Fair enough. Uh, if Kante is not fit for final, we don't don't turn up, boys. Don't turn up. Might as well go <laughs> home. Um, now, seriously, if can my first choice, Kante and Billy Gilmore. I don't care. I don't care. We need someone to someone needs to take up the role of Ryan Bertrand. If we're still in this 2012 parallel timeline or whatever that, you know, people want us to want to believe that we're in, someone needs to take up a role of Ryan Bertrand, the, the player like, but what selection? So Billy can take up that role for me. Uh, if Kante isn't fit, Kovacic and Billy Gilmore. Simple as. Simple as. Billy Gilmore starts Champions League fun for me next week. I do not care about inexperience because he can play the role of Ryan Bertrand. I realise that's not going to happen. I realise Billy will not start next week, but I don't care because I'm sick to death of seeing Kovacic and Jorginho in the same midfield. So I do not want them playing together. Uh, Shyam, on a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you guys about the Champions League final? Jax, uh, minus 2, how about you? <laughs> uh, probably about probably about 3. Um, 3 or 4. I mean, the best thing about it is it's a Champions League final and it's so cliche to say, but it's a final and anything can happen. Um, you saw it in 2012. It was it was just meant to be for us to win that. Um, everything sort of went our way, which at the moment, with certain dodgy VAR decisions and stuff, it doesn't feel like that. But yeah, anything can happen. And it's City's first Champions League final. Not many teams go and win it in their first go. Um, so hopefully that kind of thing can be on our side. Um, but... City, City are a they're different class. So in this game, we have to score first to have any sort of chance of winning that game. You've seen what we've been like under Tuchel, under Frank, under previous managers as well. When we've conceded the first goals in these games, and we're still having all of the ball, we we just don't we can't score. We could be there for two days and we're struggling to put the ball in the back of the net. Like that Arsenal game when you have having Giroud hit the post, etc. So the most paramount thing in that game is we have to score first, I think. Fair enough. Ellie, on a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you for the Champions League final? Um, I'm not quite confident. <laughs> I, I mean, City just bashed Everton 5-0. Like, come on, they're a total... I don't know. They're they're a very, very good side. We did already beat them twice, but maybe that 
plays to their advantage because they just want to come and beat us more and really shove it in our faces. Um, I think I would have been more confident if we hadn't just lost three out of our last four games. I feel like the cracks are really starting to show. Um, it's a Champions League final, like anything can really happen. But I do think that City are the favorites for this one. But I'm hoping with everything in my heart that Chelsea can pull something out and win the game. Yeah, exactly. You know, say I, I do like the fact that we're going in as the underdogs. Um, I think it suits us. That tag does suit us. And yeah, I've got very little confidence. But again, it would be so Chelsea to just turn up and just put in a brilliant performance when we've been, as I say, you know, Eddie mentioned we've lost three of our last four games, you know, all three of those defeats weren't very good performances at all. You know, so hopefully, fingers crossed, we've just lost. This Chelsea team on the whole under Thomas Tuchel has tended to bounce back after a defeat. So who knows, maybe the defeat today is a good thing in a way. You know, maybe it can help us, you know, bounce back next week. But yeah, confidence confidence isn't good, but at least I'm, say, I'm more relaxed about it now than the fact that we have got the Champions League next season. And, you know, we can go again in the Champions League next season, try and go, if we don't get over the line this year, we can go one step further. But guys, we'll be back in a second part two to continue answering your questions. Next question comes in from Travis. How do you rate this Premier League campaign from A, a collective standpoint, and B, from the time we took, uh, from the time Tuchel took over? Jack, on, as this Premier League campaign as a whole, how do you view it? Obviously, I think, you know, one more point than last season. I think, I think we won one less game than last season. We scored a lot less goals than last season, but we've conceded a lot less goals than last season. It, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to, to tell, really. Especially yeah, also given, you know, the 200 odd million investment as well. No, made exactly, in the summer. exactly. I think that was just, that's going to be the main point that I was just going to say when you've gone out and spent, what was it, 220 million or something, something in that region last year on, on all those players, you're expecting minimum uh, better points return than the previous season, of course, when you're spending that much money. Um, I know there's been like the manager changing and stuff like that, uh, circumstances you couldn't predict at the start of the season um, and you didn't think that that was going to happen. But like you said, we've won less games than last year. We scored 11 less goals and we've got less points. So at the end of the day, I don't think you can you can argue that we've, we've, we've had a good season. It's been disappointing. Um, but... At the end of the day, Tuchel's come in. He's steadied the ship, taken us from 10th, got us in that top four spot. I actually just saw something earlier saying he's never won a game on the last day of the season in his managerial career, <laughs> which is interesting. Um, glad I didn't know that before the game today, but I mean, but um, I know Ellie was speaking about Tuchel earlier, and I just think what he's done on the training field and how he's implemented the way he wants to play has been quite incredible, to be honest. Uh, when you when we've had the fixture congestion and schedule that we've had this season, you're having games, three games a week, every week. Um, and you think you play a game, you have the next day off, re recovery or whatever. He's barely had any time on that training field with these players and to be to have like changed it round so quickly for us and getting players like Marcus Alonso at the start, Andreas Christensen, uh, Antonio Rudiger, players that we all thought were 
maybe not going to play for Chelsea again. And he's he's turned them around and got them performing, performing on the big stage and and taken us to a Champions League final. Um, and albeit a loss in the in the FA Cup final. Um, so I yeah I think he's he's been incredible. But like we said earlier, we need a blooming striker next year because you can see the way he wants to play. We get these chances. It's just we haven't quite got the quality to finish them off. If we had this someone who is prolific in front of goal, we'd be scoring a lot of goals because we do create a lot of chances, as we've seen today, last week, week before that. We get chances every game. Yeah. Score out of 10. So the, the Premier League season as a whole out of 10, how would you rate it? Oh, OK. Uh, five. And since Tuchel's come in? Uh, we'll go for a we'll go for a seven after we uh, almost completely bottled it today and had to rely on Spurs to dig us out, which is just completely embarrassing, to be honest. Yeah. Okay, Ellie, how would you rate the Premier League campaign, like as a collective, and then secondly, from the time Tuchel took over? Um, as a collective, maybe like a six. Um, I know that we've had all of those signings and we kind of expect them to just gel. But I think honestly, like it could have, I think, how do I say this? I think that when you bring so many players into the team, it's incredibly difficult to try to get that chemistry and understanding with each other. And on top of that, you're bringing in pretty young players like um, Havertz is 21, Timo Brenner's 24. We've seen that they're just having a hard time adjusting to the Premier League. Even somebody like Hakim Ziyech, who I thought was going to adjust very quickly, he's come out and said that it's just a completely different league. And with the pandemic situation, how you you weren't allowed to really talk to people, interact with people, you know, like you had to be on your own and basically isolated for the season. And on top of that, you have all these games back to back to back to back where you barely have any rest. Like I can understand why it was a difficult season and I was kind of prepared to give the players this year to get accustomed to the Premier League and, and try to get, gain some chemistry with each other. Um, but I do think that at the end of the day, I, I wish that we had done better. Like the amount of times that we've gone behind and struggled to get back into the game or where we just missed our chances and didn't score and it ended up costing us. Like, I do think that that differentiates the good teams from the truly great teams and we need to be more clinical. We need to be punishing teams. We need to be scoring more goals. And those are all things that we need to work on. So I give it a six and maybe after Tuchel comes in a seven, I think it would have been an eight if it hadn't been for the last couple of games of the season, because I do think he did a really good job and we were winning a large majority of games despite not having, not winning them by a big margin. Um, but I think the past couple of games, the level has just dropped off from the team for some reason. Yeah, no, again, from a collective standpoint, I would say six. Top four for Chelsea is always a bare minimum. We have achieved the bare minimum. Um, as a collective, you know, it's not a great achievement getting top four. You know, we shouldn't celebrate it. It's the bare minimum for this football club. So, yeah, it's a six. From the time Tuchel took over, I'll give it a seven. You know, if we took if we talk about the job Tuchel's done as a whole, then it would be high, but we're just talking purely the Premier League here. 
and we've seen, you know, we've drawn at we've drawn at Southampton, we've drawn with Wolves, we've drawn with Brighton, we've lost to Aston Villa, we've lost to Arsenal. Like we've looked, we've dropped points to to a lot of poor teams as well under Thomas Tuchel. So I don't, obviously lost to West Brom as well. So I don't think you know that can just be forgotten. Our record against the big teams is ultimately what's got us over the line in the top four because we've beaten Liverpool, Everton, Leicester, West Ham, etc. Under Thomas Tuchel, Man City, you know those games got us there. So from the time he's taken over for a Premier League, I would it's a seven. But yeah, as I say we've got we've got fourth. It annoys me. If we got third, maybe I'd give it and give it a bit higher, maybe seven point five or something. But the fact that Liverpool finished above us annoys me, given we were seven points clear of them at one stage and, you know, all the injuries and stuff they've had to deal with this season. So that disappoints me that, you know, they finished above us. But, you know, Tuchel's done a really good job since coming in. You know, say the fact we're in a Champions League speaks testament to the job he's done. Um, but, yeah, in terms of the league, he's steadied the ship. He's done the job he's brought in to do. So he gets a seven out of ten for me on that one. Right. Harry, good friend of ours. Harry asks, can you ever see Kovacic and Jorginho being the predominant midfield pairing in a Premier League winning side, Jack? Oh, I want to, I want to hand that one back to you and hear your view on it. But I think right. you don't have, you don't have to ask anyone. Everyone knows that those two are never going to win you a Premier League, and that that is the end of it. I don't care what people say; it's not good enough. And you see all the all the greatest Premier League teams that have won it have that that structure at the bottom of the spine in in those CDM areas and every big team has, has had a top top player in there um so i just think we need a can we need the kante and we need someone else to come in and and fulfill that together fair enough before i go off on one ellie uh, is you know is a Kov- kovacic and Jorginho, uh can you see them being a predominant midfield pairing in a premier league winning side no, no, I don't. <laughs> I, I, I'm just gonna leave it at that. <laughs> Fair enough. Right, time for me to go in on them. Right, Kovacic and Jorginho have been at Chelsea three seasons. In all three seasons, we have been in a top four battle. Two of those seasons have gone to the top, the top four race on the last day. Multiple times they have let us down at times this season. You know, Jorginho error against Arsenal. Jorginho giving away a pen today. Kovacic wasn't great today. Jorginho and Kovacic against West Brom. They've, they've had some good games, but their consistency isn't enough to win you a Premier League title. If I could combine both of them into one player, then we might be onto something because both have good skills. But, you know, as I say with Kovacic, Kovacic is a jack of all trades and a master of none. He's not great defensively. He's awful at tracking runners. He near, look, at, look back at the Leicester game on Tuesday. He doesn't track Perez. And if Perez scores, that's our top four dream gone. You know, small moments like that. You see, Kovacic is not good defensively. Offensively, he hasn't scored a goal this season. Okay, fair enough. We go, it's not his job. But assists-wise, he's got not many in the Premier League. So again, you know, he's good. What is he good at? He's labelled as pressure-resistant, okay? Last two games, he's come back from injury. He's not been very pressure-resistant, has he? Caught in a dangerous area, loses the ball, less to score. Caught in a dangerous area today, gives the ball away, Villa nearly score. Um, Jorginho has been solid for us on the whole under Thomas Tuchel. I think he's been a solid player. But I don't. But you can't rely on him week in, week out. He's all right with Kante, but as I said, Kovacic and Jorginho, you cannot rely on at all because they're not good enough. And it's not, you know, history shows we've got three seasons of evidence now in front of us. The top four is where we're at with them. So no, they're not good enough to be in a midfield side. And it's quite funny. People talk about Chelsea standards all the time. People go, Tammy Abraham's not Chelsea standards. So-and-so player isn't Chelsea standards. Well, one, what is Chelsea standards? And two, what... 
why do people look at a Kovacic and Jorginho duo and no substance midfield and not bat an eyelid when they talk about Chelsea standards? That is our worst midfield pairing probably in my lifetime supporting Chelsea Football Club. Honestly, you think of the midfields we used to have. It's not, they're not a good enough pairing. They're decent players. And as I said, if I could combine them on their own, they'd be, they'd, that would be one hell of a player. Put one of them with Kante and they look quite good. But no, as a pairing, they will never win you a Premier League title because they're not good enough. Because they can't defend and they can't attack. So they can't do that. What's the point of them playing together in a pairing? There's a fella from West Ham. I'm not sure people have heard of him. His name is Declan Rice. He actually scored today for West Ham. West Ham are a team that, you know, you don't normally associate with challenging for European football. West Ham have qualified for the Europa League this season. Declan Rice has been a key reason why. He's a captain at West Ham. He's played 100 odd Premier League games. He's an England international. He's got leadership. He's got the intangibles that pseudo-intellectuals like to turn their nose up at. He's a very good player, is Declan Rice. He would be a very fit, good player for this Chelsea team. Chelsea need to get more leaders in that team. If you tell me now, a Kante and Rice midfield, we are cooking next season. I do not care. That midfield will do bits. Declan Rice can do... Declan, firstly, we don't have a midfielder of Declan Rice's profile. And let me just also reiterate, if we, me signing Declan Rice doesn't mean necessarily get rid of Kovacic and Jorginho, because they can do a role. They've just got to have less of a starring role. Because they've been here three seasons and the best we've got out of them is, a top, is three top four battles and one Europa League trophy. We've lost, two, we've lost two FA Cups with them, by the way, with Kovacic getting sent off in one, albeit harshly, and Jorginho not exactly covering himself in glory in the one this year. Right? So the midfield isn't good enough. And look, there's other areas of this team, and there's lots of other players who I think have had underwhelming seasons this year. Christian Pusic has had an underwhelming season this year. Considering what we saw last season, he has had a very poor season for Chelsea this season. He's had injuries. It's not been easy for him. He's still a young player, though, and I think he will come good. The issue I've got is Kovacic and Jorginho aren't getting any older. They're both experienced players, you know, and I don't think ultimately they offer enough, offer us enough if we want to be a serious football club. If we're happy challenging for top four, keep them in, because that's what we can do. If we want to be challenging for Premier League titles like Roman wants, get them out, or not get them out, have them playing less of a starring role. As I say, there are players out there who I think would be a good fit for this Chelsea team and provide qualities that this team does not have. Mateo Kovacic and Jorginho will never win you a Premier League title. They will never win you a Premier League title. And look, it's not their fault because we also don't have a... Our top goal scorer is Jorginho this year, for God's sake. We also... There's obviously areas we need to improve. There's obviously areas we need to improve. But teams like West Brom, we should be able to beat. We scored two goals in that game. Where was our midfield? There's been too many times this season where they're just not being quite at it. They're good players. They're good players. They're not good enough if you want to be a serious team. So, Harry, Kovacic and Jorginho will never win us a Premier League. And if we're a serious team that wants to challenge, we need to get a DM. DM, for me, is a priority signing we make. Because if we get also someone like Declan Rice, it allows us, I think, to move away from a free of a back, which, by the way, a free of a back, which helps cover the weaknesses of Kovacic and Jorginho. If we play a four of a back with Rice, then it allows us to be that bit more attacking. We still can have that solidity. So, yeah, basically, I'm saying sign Declan Rice, please, Chelsea Football Club. Uh, he's a very good player. He's an England captain. He provides leadership. Uh, he's also Mason Mounts, mate, as well. That's very far down on my list of reasons for wanting him by the way, before people jump on that. But he is a very good player. He's also Premier League proven. So, yeah, while the price might be higher than someone like a Chouameni, and look, I haven't seen Chouameni, so I can't comment on him. Like, Declan Rice is a low-risk signing, in my opinion. Yeah, his price might be high, but if he's here for 10 years, then judge him 
on how successful we are. Because we spunked 57 million on Jorginho. And what have we got to show for it? Three battles for top four and one Europa League trophy. We spent 40 million on Kovacic and what have we got to show for it? Three top four battles and one Europa League trophy. We, we, we can't exactly... You know, we spent 71 million on Kepa. We spent 60 million on Alvaro Morata. We spent 50 odd million on Timo Werner. And so far, so far, Timo Werner's not worked out. So I don't see why, you know, don't turn up your nose, don't turn your nose up at like 90 odd mil or whatever it is for Declan Rice or if we can, you know, send Tammy that way because Tammy clearly isn't valued by Thomas Tuchel. Um, so yeah, get a proper midfielder in Chelsea. Get a proper DM in, please, because um, then we might be doing bits next season. Because as I say, We've been watching the same old thing. It's not like I've just come on and I'm, like, I'm desperate for Declan Rice. This is based on three years of evidence. I've been watching those two play in midfield for three years. And it's been the same old story. So, yeah, get a proper midfield in um, if we want to be a serious football club challenging for the Premier League. Because right now we're turning into Arsenal and celebrating top four. And that's kind of sad. The Arsenalification of this football club, I do think, set in a while ago. And we've got to try and get rid of it because we don't want to end up like Arsenal. Right, sort of, that is rant over. Dan Hill, oh, this is actually going to get me on another rant. Dan Hill, Jack, is it fair to call Chelsea a team full of weak-minded bottle jobs? Ostensibly, we qualified for the top four, only because Leicester are worse bottle jobs than we are. Sorry, can't hold back today. Are we, are we a team full of bottle jobs? Because I think these players, the mentality of these players is awful. Yeah, well, I mean, like you said, based on, you can go back three years, you see the evidence and you've seen, we discussed it last week, how many cup finals we've lost in recent years. F two FA Cups, one Super League, one League Cup under Sari. It just goes on and on and on. And you see, I think it was like we've won four out of twelve or something since since um Drogba left. We don't have big game players anymore in this team. We don't have people who in finals go and grab it by the scruff of the neck. And we struggle every single time even when we've been uh, favourites in a lot of those, in a lot of those games, we should have won. Um, And I think we said it last week as well. I think a lot of it sometimes goes down to complacency, especially last week. These players thought, no, we've won this before we'd even set foot on the pitch, including the fans, everyone, no one considered that we would lose that game. Everyone just thought that's got Chelsea's, uh, name going to be inscribed on it all day long, um, and yeah, I, I don't know. You, you've got to look at three, four managers: Conte, Sari, Frank. It's all saying the same thing that these players, uh, these players' mentality is not very good, and they're difficult to motivate, uh, difficult to train with, and just doesn't bode well does it and when you when you look at those facts and the finals that we've been in it clearly backs up what these previous managers have been saying about these players um and yeah i mean this last week's been a a total total collapse um like dan said at the end of the day we we literally have we bottled it today and we're only in the Champions League because another team has bottled it even more than we have. And that is, that is it. Um, there's no getting past it today. It was, it was absolutely terrible. Um, shocking performances um, against Arsenal as well. And you just, you just hope, like you said earlier, Nick, that we can bounce back because we have bounced back under Tuchel when we've lost games on the whole. 
Um, and you've got to hope that these boys take that as motivation. Yeah, we have qualified for Champions League. We need to sort of be, need to be happy in some regard, but they've got to take a long, hard look at themselves and think we needed to perform better in these games. We could have had top four wrapped up before the last day of the season if we'd beaten Arsenal and things like that. So, um, yeah, we just got to take that motivation of losing and take it into this week of training, rest and recover, get some good sessions in and get the boys over to Porto and and bring that blooming trophy home. Yeah. Elio, you know, you're a very positive person, so I realise this question might not be, you know, best suited to you, but do you know, and it's maybe a bit strong, but do you think, you know, it's our Chelsea sort of a team of full of weak minded bottle jobs as Dan calls him? Um I mean I think that that is a little harsh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I generally try to stay like more on the positive side of things. Like at the end of the day, this team got to an FA Cup final, Champions League final, ended up getting top four. I mean, what I wanted that have wanted them to win this game. Yes. Do I think that there's a mentality issue? Yes. Um, just seems like for a couple of years there's maybe some players that you know aren't giving a thousand percent but I'm hoping that um you know we start to build off of it like I thought that that we were building a stronger team so I kind of don't know which players now are the ones that don't care as much if there are any if that makes sense because I thought like um, we're starting to build a stronger core and you have the likes of Mason and Reese and Callum who just like love Chelsea, Tammy as well, but you know, he's, it seems like he's leaving, but um, I don't know. I think it's a very young and experienced team. So I, I think it's harsh to call them bottle jobs when they're just, they're still learning. And I think that they're going to need to obviously learn from these experiences and, and, uh, use it to help them grow so that it doesn't happen next season and then hopefully next season we're fighting for the Premier League title and, and we're not just fighting for a top four spot. Definitely. Yeah. I think I think going on from what Ellie just said then is it's so true there's these young players but they need to win a trophy ASAP. You look at I've thought of it, you look at Mason Mount he's, yeah he's young, he's 22 but he's played in four Cup finals in his professional career so far. Played for Derby against Villa in the in the playoff final, Super Cup, two FA Cups for Chelsea, and he's lost all four. Um, you need a trophy ASAP, otherwise, literally, like we said, you we're going to be starting to be labelled bottle jobs and being turning into a team like Spurs. That that is the harsh truth of it. At the end of the day, and come next weekend. It could be a fifth loss for him. Uh, hopefully not. I mean, he definitely trade those. I think he definitely trade those four for a Champions League trophy at 22. So hopefully we can go and do it. But they, like I said, they need to win something ASAP. Otherwise, yeah, it's just big problems. I think. Yeah, exactly. We can't like this is the thing. The Champions League, like it would be so massive. Like if we win the Champions League next week. Us criticising him, calling criticising their mentality, we can look like right idiots. Like we could, because winning the Champions League requires bottle, it requires courage, it requires 
all, all, all the t- like intangible things that I sort of talked about earlier, like it would be huge for this group. Mm-hmm. But it, but this Chelsea team, like they were doing so well. And if you'd stopped like two weeks ago, I'd have, you know, I wouldn't have had this bottle job mentality thing. Because they'd convinced me that we were past that. Because we saw with the performance against Real Madrid in that semi-final second leg, we'd saw the way they went to the Etihad and won. But we still thought they were past that. But unfortunately, just at the wrong time of the season, this end of the season, they've just collapsed a bit. And the mentality has been brought back right to the forefront of our minds. Look, I don't think the mentality is good. Because again, I kind of brought up a point last week. And it's not just, you know, I, I mentioned Jorginho's record in cup final since he joined us. But, you know, I could do the same for Alonso. I could do the same for Tony Rudiger. I could do the same for Kovacic. I could do the same for a lot of these players. I think... Cesar Azpilicueta, I think, has won two of his last seven or two of his last nine cup finals with us. You know, he's an experienced head. There's the experienced players as well have, you know, ultimately their experience, you know, has not been used properly or they've not used it well because we're still losing cup finals. We mentioned the cup final record last week. It isn't good enough for a club like Chelsea. We grew up with Chelsea winning in cup finals. Chelsea turned up for cup finals. You knew what you were going to get. Chelsea's record in cup finals was superb. And recently that, well, the last few years, whatever it is, that tide has turned drastically. So I don't want to, I'm look, I was really annoyed. And I know I spoke, Dan, I know we sort of spoke in DMs. I was really annoyed today. I was, I was really annoyed because that performance was pathetic. You're going for top four. You kind of thought after the performance they put in on Tuesday, that of, you know, now nah, they're, they're fully focused now. They're back on it. But today the same old stuff cropped up and it's one goal and they lose their heads. One goal and they lost their heads. That first half, we needed half time to come. Thankfully, we only got to half time one nil down. But then the second half, you know, we can see the penalty early days, and it just falls apart. It just falls apart so quickly. And it's a common thing. It's a common thing with this Chelsea team in recent years. They, if we go ahead in games, I trust us. If we go a game in, if we go ahead in games, our record is good. If we concede first, those heads drop, and I don't, I don't know why. We've won. Well, I think we've won one game so far under Tuchel from going behind. Under Frank, I think we won the grand total of about two, one of which was Sheffield United this season, who got relegated. So one three, we also beat Leeds. But, you know, we've not beaten good teams once we've gone behind this season and in recent seasons as well. And that's an issue. So, look, I do think mentality is an issue. I don't want to call them, bottle, I don't want to call them you know, weak-minded bottle jobs. That might be a bit strong. I get the sentiment, though. I get the sentiment because I was furious with them today. I was really, really annoyed because that was a truly pathetic way to get top four. And if people go, oh, the league table doesn't lie over 30 against, we tripped and fell into the top four today. We tripped and fell into the top four. Because if Leicester don't bottle that, then we don't finish top four and people are still saying the league table doesn't lie. Right? So we got lucky today. We got very lucky today. And it pay- and for some people, they'll go top four, decent job. But that paper's over the cracks. And it's paper is over the cracks of what we've seen the last three seasons. Because there's a level where we're at with, with these players. And there needs to be improvements made. Signings need to be made if we're to get to that next level. Because right now, we're at our ceiling. I think reaching the Champions League final, I'd say that's a huge credit to the coaching ability of Thomas Tuchel. Because most of those players, I said, you know, I'd have, most people would have said, oh, they're not good enough to get you past around the 16 stage of the Champions League. And again, that's just looking back at Chelsea's recent history before this year, where we hadn't got past around the 16 since 2014. So look, I think, the, I don't want to say bottle jaws, but I do think there is certainly a weak mentality of this football club. And I think it's been allowed to come in and I think it's set in the Conte's second season. It started after we won the league under Conte. We didn't build on it. 
We signed average dross, second-rate dross. We didn't go for the option we wanted. We went for the cheap option. And from then on, we've been struggling and struggling because we can't get off. We couldn't offload them. We couldn't offload them. And some of those players we're still left with still what is somewhere in the loan system, still trying to get off our hands. And the problem has only festered and festered and festered. No matter what manager comes in, that problem still remains. Under Sarri, we got off to a cracking start and then we capitulated and tripped and fell into the top four. Under Frank, we somehow maintained the top We somehow didn't fall out of the top four. I don't know how, because again, other teams were just as bad as us. And this season as well, we, we, we nearly fell, we nearly collapsed at the final day. Well, we did collapse, as I say, we got away with it today. So, yeah, there is, a, there is a weak mentality in this Chelsea team and it does worry me. Get a trophy though, and that could be huge for these players, which is why I'm still not over the FA Cup last week. I'm still not over it. My next question comes in, final question from Mark. Was it justified of Thomas Tuchel to prioritise the FA Cup over top four, considering how lucky we were to qualify? What I will say is I do think we, you know, I don't think Tuchel necessarily prioritised one. I do think that was, he went to win the FA Cup. I think it was a strong team. Just for some bizarre reason, Alonso was chosen over Ben Chilwell, but Jack Fords. Uh, what, did he, or just my thoughts on, on which one you should be prioritising? Was it justified for Tuchel to prioritise the top So Do you think we prioritise the do you think we prioritise one over the other? Because I, I, I get I get why people say that. You know, people say Kepper started, Alonso yeah. started. I get why they say that, but I, I didn't get the sense we were prioritising. It was more a case we didn't turn up. Was, and top yeah, four is more, just, you know, top top four today was just shambolic. Yeah, more more I agree, more a case that we were just terrible on the day and didn't turn up, but at the end of the day, we said we've said it before, and you've got to play your strongest team in that game. I've no idea why Alonso was starting that game. You you've got to play Mendy in the final. Don't care that Kepa's played all the other games. If you want to go and win it, you play your strongest team. So, I think, yeah, there is some. There's definitely an argument there that he he's prioritised the the top four rather than that, um, and. I just, I just don't get it to be honest. Um, you, you look back in the history of Chelsea Football Club. You go to the Stamford Bridge. You do a stadium tour. What do you look for? What do you see? You see the trophies we've won throughout the years. You remember, oh, twenty twenty one. We should have been, could have been FA Cup champions. You see the trophy in the museum. You don't see we got top four. No one remembers that, um, and that's why. That's why I was so so frustrated after last week that we that we couldn't get over the line again, and and bring that trophy home. Um, yeah, I, I just I think the manner I, of the fact I think the manner of the way we qualified for top four today just hurts that bit more. Yeah, because it's just like if we won today and we got third, then I know it's just one league position, but it kind of makes it a bit easier to get over last week. Because we also, mm. at least we turned up to well, yeah, do this we, job. We, we didn't even... Got, we yeah. would have got our own job done. It was in our hands. Our job done. And you didn't have to worry about other results. We didn't have to have Blim and have the Spurs game up in the background for the last 20 minutes, hoping that they were going to score. And for some reason, celebrating a Spurs goal. Well, I never thought I'd be doing that. It, that just... It shows how far your our club has fallen. Um when you're relying on Spurs of all people to to literally get you out of the grave and 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 help you 
help you achieve your targets for the season. Um, yeah, that's my that's my thoughts on it. To be honest. Yeah, fair. Yeah, for me, for me, it's the manner of today that hurts more. Because, like I say, if we want seven, I could, it just makes it easy to go over top four. Because, hey, at least we've achieved one of our objectives, and we've achieved our objective in style. But the fact we couldn't do that just annoys me. But Ellie Force, are you, you know, does I guess for manner of the fact that the way we secured top four like make you even more disappointed, you know, about last week and not winning the FA Cup? Um. <sighs> <laughs> I, I I don't know if it's like necessarily related for me like I just feel like we didn't show up in that FA Cup game and Leicester were just the better team um, like I didn't understand starting Kepa in that game like I know that he was the FA Cup goalie but I feel like you have to start your best starting 11 so you should be starting Mendy you should be starting Chilwell etc um, but I think today it was just disappointing because I wanted us to at least finish and get top four in our own way, which we didn't do. We had to rely on Spurs and I was just checking the Spurs game, checking the Liverpool game during our game because we just were not able to get a job done. And I think that that's just disappointing and if anything, just makes me nervous for the uh, Champions League final coming up. Yeah, certainly didn't do anything to sort of settle the nerves ahead of last week. And as you mentioned earlier, we've lost three of our last four games at the end of the season, you know, kind of stumbling over the finish line and falling apart almost at the wrong time. So, yeah, Amar, I, I say I don't think we prioritised the FA Cup over top four. I know Tuchel said afterwards in his quotes, which didn't help, but, you know, the top four was a priority when he came in, not the FA Cup. But I do think we went to win the FA Cup last week. It's just our mentality was off. It was awful. And there were, you know, he got it wrong starting Alonso because, as we saw last week, Chilwell came on and had a good impact. But that is kind of in the past. I think today just, you know, hurts that bit more the fact that the way we got over the line for top four, you know, if literally, if we'd not, if we'd missed out today, then last week would hurt so, so much more as well. It would hurt so, so much more as well. But thankfully we did kind of get over the line. And look, I realise this podcast has taken a slightly negative turn as we've gone on. It is kind of understandable given the manner of performance against Aston Villa. But look, we're in the top four. We've done the job that we set out to do when Thomas Tuchel took over. So for that, you know, well done. Well done to the players. I'm still pissed off at them, you know, but well done to them. They did what was asked. They got over the line in top four. But I ain't going crazy because, you know, papers over the cracks and the bare minimum was achieved. And next, this has got to be the last year for me of us battling for the top four. Um, right, that wraps up this week's episode of that Chelsea podcast. I want to thank our guest, Ellie for coming on. Ellie, I'm sorry we couldn't be a bit more positive, um, but thank you for coming on. Before you go, give yourself one last plug where people can find you on Twitter, where they can follow you, etc. for all your good content. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Sorry I'm not as upbeat and cheery as I normally am. Like, I... I really am struggling after after that game. It was, you know, it, it's. It, I tried to be rational and positive, but uh, I'm a fan first, and that was just a bad game. Um, but yeah, uh, like I said earlier, you guys can find me at Ellie underscore Hellenic on Twitter, Elizabeth Hellenic on Instagram, on YouTube, everything, and to have a lot of content planned. So keep an eye out for that. Yeah, exactly. As I mentioned, all Ellie's social links will be in the description she's a great follow on twitter and you know 
say great content on YouTube, getting some big, you know, guests, guests on, you know, some Chelsea journalists as well, you know, say FPL advice. If you are a novice and you are absolutely awful at the game, thoroughly recommend getting advice from someone, you know, her and Olivia who actually kind of know what they're talking about when it comes to FPL. So yeah, she's a really, she's a really good person, really good follow, um, putting some really good content out there. And as I said, you, I'm sure you guys would like her content. As for us, we're on Instagram at that Chelsea pod on Twitter at Chelsea Podrun, all your usual podcast platform providers. If you like us, you can leave us a rating and a review. It helps us out. If you're on Twitter, when we ever, whenever we tweet the pod out, like retweet, just helps it go, go a long way. Helps put it onto other people's timers. Hopefully they can discover us at the end of the day. We're all Chelsea fans talking about the one club, that we love and yeah, they can make it hard at times to love them. They really can. They can annoy you. They can frustrate you. It can be painful. Today was a horrible, horrible watch. But we got over the line, and that's the main thing. And look, hopefully on the pod next week, we will be on cloud nine talking about Chelsea being the champions of Europe. But for then, for now, we have to wait and see. Um, it's always a pleasure talking about it. That's, you know, our last episode of the Premier League season. Wow. It's gone so quick. I can't lie. I'm relieved it's over. It's been a nightmare trying to like schedule all these episodes, you know, having two games a week to discuss. So hopefully next year, we'll return to normality. But say we'll be at the games hopefully next season as well. So give you that. I guess perspective from inside the ground but say thank you for all the love and support you guys show us uh thank you to all the guests you know all the new listeners that come over thank you to all our wonderful guests as well that have been on and um yeah until the next episode everybody keep blue flag flying sports social podcast network it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.